You are listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. Welcome to Discourse 28 with Sajjad Ayyub and Sheikh Ibrahim Skaterman. Assalamu alaikum. This discourse, you contain all of existence. The title of this discourse is not easy to understand for most people. As they see themselves as a tiny piece of the universe, can you explain this in a simple way? So, the The first challenge we need to wrap our head around is this idea of uh, a piece of. You know, so if I have um, if I have something, it's a whole thing. Mm. How do I get a piece of it? Well, I have to break that piece off. Then it is a piece of. It is separate from the whole thing. Mm. So to have the sense that I am a piece of suggests that I've been broken off. Hmm. Now, if I ask myself, well, what have I been broken off from? So what am I and what am I made up of and what was I broken off from? I'll find that I'm made up of all the things that I've been broken off from. There's nothing out there that isn't inside me even in minuscule trace, traces of it, you know, you have within you every element that's ever been created. You have energy, you have, um, you have, uh, uh, I mean, there's nothing, you are a collage of everything that isn't you. Um, and I think we've spoken about this before. This is a Buddhist principle, this idea that you are empty of your own nature. You know, if I try and find Sajjad, you know, I'm trying to so I really want to, you know, what is uniquely Sajjad? What is Sajjad? Who's, who's the, what's this thing in front of me, this object called Sajjad? Well, let's investigate. Let's start off with his foot, okay? Well, what's in this foot? Well, there's water in this foot. Here's some keratin. Where does keratin come from? Well, it comes, I don't know what the chemical in constitution of keratin, but, it, but certainly you don't manufacture keratin inside yourself. All the stuff that made it out has come from other than you. And the calcium in the bone in your toe and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Your foot has been assembled from everything that isn't you. So when I try and find, never mind you, when I try and find your foot, I find everything that's not the foot. And so it is for your whole body. When I try and find out what you are, and I investigate what you are, I find everything that isn't you. I don't find you. In other words, this idea that you are uh, being broken off from and apart from is really quite a crude way of looking at this because you are still part of it. You never not you were never not part of it. You are still deeply connected with it. You are it is inside you completely. You are not broken off. You're the same. And in fact, not a, this isn't just true, sort of in the moment. It's actually true on an ongoing basis. I mean, so it's almost like you're, um, <clears throat> we've spoken about this before, like a human body is like a, an eddy in a stream. There's a, 
you know, that's, um, you could say, but this thing is, it looks like it's a discrete thing because you can see there's a line in the front where the, the, uh, this, the water of the stream hits this rock and creates a disturbance. So there's a definite line in the front. There's a definite line at the back where the water flows away. So that circle around the rock that creates the eddy, I can say, well, that exists. I mean, yes. But if the stream stopped flowing, that would no longer be there. And so it is with your own life. I mean, if, if life didn't flow through you, you would not be there. I mean, in what way do you exist as a broken off separated piece from whatever, whatever isn't you? This is inconceivable. So our idea that we exist as separate things is an illusory construct. It's not the truth of the matter. The truth of the matter is that our life wouldn't be sustainable. It's not supportable if that were true. You aren't a, you aren't a part of. You are, you are it. You're not separated from. You're not a broken off piece. Hmm. You know, it, there's, there's, and and so, so it's the the metaphor that we've heard so many times about the inner endeavor, of, you know, the drop, the reuniting with the ocean. What's the ocean and what's the drop is the same stuff. And at what point does drop end and ocean begin? And at what point do you? So maybe it's not as distinct as it seems, and maybe it's so indistinct it's actually one thing and not many things. So in that sense, that, that what, what is inside you, like the water in the drop, is the exact same thing as what is outside. It, is, it contains it all. The drop contains it all. Mm. You know, so one can say from that point of view, just, pure, just a pure rational investigation of how you exist, that broken, broken offness, if there's such a, a term, is an illusory state. It's not how things are. It is connectedness is how things are. And that you don't, you aren't a small broken off piece on the side, you are it, this thing mm. that exists. So there's another way now of, of so, so that's the first way of understanding this. And that, that is, that's, um, almost like a, a material investigation. Um, uh, but, you know, what about, uh, what about, uh, you know, inner experience, sort of? The, the, now, this is a little bit more difficult to explain. I'm going to make an attempt, but I suspect it will fail. Um, not because um, this, is, this doesn't require intelligence. This is a feat of immense imagination that I need you to make. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I want you to start off with this idea of how your how seeing works. So if you just for a moment, um, you can focus on me. But be very aware of what's in the periphery of your, of your peripheral vision. Uh, on the sides here, at the mm -hmm. top and at the bottom, if you think of it as a compass, so your peripheral vision operates like a round window, you know, and everything yep. that you see is contained inside this window. So it'll be like a compass. There's a, 
a north, south, east, west to it. There's also yep. uh, like a northwest and northeast and, you know, uh, 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 and so on. So you have all the points of the compass in this window of perception. And everything that you see mm -hmm. is, is presented to you inside this window. And that thing that you see is the universe out there. Mm. Right. Now, you say, well, where is the universe out there? You say, well, it's all around me. So it wraps around me. That's how we normally mm. experience it, you know. Yeah. Um, how we think we experience things. But if we say, actually, how do I experience things? No, I don't see the behind me. I only see what gets presented inside this window of perception. Yes. That window of perception has a front and a behind. The front is everything that I perceive in the moment that I'm in. Mm -hmm. The question is, what's behind it? Mm. And you... A visual doesn't really work because it's kind of like it's like a feeling thing. What does it feel like behind you? From you know where you're looking from, where's looking happening from? And it's actually it's just like a it's like a big emptiness, really. I mean, if you fall back into where you're you know behind, you just get a sense of what's behind you. It's like the thing that's looking comes out of like a big shapeless darkness. So there's the window, there's everything that you perceive in the world, which is in the front of the window, we can refer to that as the outward. And then there's you, the perceiver on the this side of the window, not the other side of the window. And on the this side of the window, the perceiver, there's some thoughts and imagery and some, and it all takes place in like a big empty space. And that empty space has no back to it. Mm -hmm. I mean, just feel it. You can't, where's that? It just feels like it plummets off into like fathomlessness. So mm. the outward, what I can see is in the window of perception. The inward, I can't really see, but I can experience and I experience this as a depth. What is behind me is like a depth of fathomlessness. Mm. Now, the we are normally so close we're trying we're so busy in the world that we're right up against this window you see so so actually we're not even aware that there's this this boundary at the periphery because we're so focused we forget about what's in our peripheral vision because we're mm. trying to get into the world but now if you allow yourself to if you strengthen your peripheral vision which basically means you to strengthen your receptive attention receptive attention and peripheral vision are connected Focused attention and predatory attention are connected. So when you soften your predatory attention, you give attention to your receptive attention to what this and you the, to what's in the in your peripheral vision. One of the implications is because you're not so trying so much trying to get stuff out of the world. I mean, if I want something from you, your ability to withhold what I want gives you power over me. So I'm outwardly gathered. My attention is for. But when I when I when I forego. And I become in, inwardly gathered. I operate from a deeper place in myself. Hmm. I become more aware of what's not just what I'm focusing, but the whole picture, and particularly what's in my peripheral vision. Hmm. And then it occurs to me, actually, that if I'm far away enough, I'm actually not quite looking into this. I'm not quite looking into a, it's not a two-dimensional pain. I'm sort of like from the corners of my eyes, it's like, this is, it's like horns, that, like seeing goes like 
like in a, in a, in a, almost like a semicircle from the corners of my eyes. Yeah. And, and that if I feel where does this looking come from, then, 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 you know, this, as we already said, the feeling behind you is like a big empty space, but down and over there sort of to the, I'm looking into like, you know, what's the, what's in the, from the looker, what's in the immediate south down there? It's actually the same empty space. Mm. And the immediate east, the same empty space, same empty space, you know. So what I'm looking into is not, you can't quite describe it as a as a pain. It's more like a bubble. I'm looking into a bubble. Yeah. We refer to that as the bubble. Everything that I perceive is like inside a bubble. The looker is mm. outside of the bubble. So, so and, and where does the looker extend to? Well, the looker doesn't actually have boundaries. So it's, it's like a big emptiness that side, a big emptiness that side, a big emptiness that up the big side, and over there, top of the bubble, it's the same emptiness. Right on the other side of the bubble, it's the same emptiness. In other words, the phenomenal world does not contain me. It doesn't wrap around me. This thing that's looking wraps around the whole phenomenal world. Mm. You know, and this Sajjad Sab is not something I'm going to put it, it's very difficult to get across as a description. However, it is absolutely palpable experientially. If we work together for a little while, I could get you to experience it. Very difficult to understand it. I can get you to experience. And what will you experience that when you look at the furthest horizon, you will know that the thing that's doing the looking is on the other side of the horizon. And you'll experience it as concretely as what you experience your backside on that chair right now. It is a physio physical experience. It is it's a real experience. It's not a, a, it's not the product of a thought. In other words, the self is not contained by other than the self. Other than the self, the, 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 your, the self is not contained by the universe. The self contains, the, the, the looker contains the universe. Not as an assertion, not as a, a philosophical uh, claim, but as a first-hand experience. That the thing that's operating through your eyes looking out at the world is not the microcosm. It is the macrocosm. It contains all phenomena, all things. <clears throat> but as I said, Sajjad, this is a very difficult thing to explain. And we don't know how on earth one's going to get it across when it's purely audio. When you can't even add sort of outrageous gestures and things to the story yeah you also described thank you for that because um we'll have to do that some that exercise offline sometime mm. now you describe the inner world as being the real infinite realm does this relate to the way that um our own journey is you know from the finite to the infinite mm. yeah so let's just understand why the inner world is really infinite mm. let's assume i have 
a measure. Um, this is a, this is, a, I mean, I'm, this is, I'm very big. This is a kilometer. All right. And, and I want to measure how many kilometers are there. If I go out in the world, so into the, into, into phenomenal existence, I'm going to go out there. So it's one kilometer, two kilometers, three kilometers, four kilometers. And I can carry on to an infinity of kilometers. So basically I'm describing the infinite by way of the finite. Yes. I'm not describing infinite. I'm using the metaphor of the kilometer. Yeah. Yeah. So I say I can go into perpetuity in that direction, blah, 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 and I'll never get to the end of it, of these. Yeah. So, so in other words, actually that world, the outer world is a world of metaphors. When you sit quietly and you get a feeling of this emptiness that plunges down from behind your eyes that your looking comes from, that thing has no back. You don't need, you can't take a measuring stick mm. to work out how many <laughs> <laughs> kilometers. Do you understand? I mean, that's just a bizarre idea. In other words, that is truly, it's not infinity by way of metaphor. It is truly infinite. Mm. Infinity that you have immediate access to behind your eyes is not a metaphorical end. It's not, you know, in fact, the outer world is far more metaphorical than the inner world. This is one of the, 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 the things that we, so, so why is it important to make this claim? You see, we live in a world where people say, well, you know, the only thing that is real is that which exists materially. You know, and um, we've got to act, we've got to have, we've got to be good materialists. We can't be, uh, um, have an idealist view of things. Um, we've got to see things as they are, you know, so we're going to, you know, um, uh, 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 we can't work with the metaphorical. We want to have the concrete. But this very world that you're describing is so concrete, that is, the entire thing is made of metaphor. It's all metaphorical. The, the real infinity that you have access to is not out in the world, because you'll only ever translate that into measurability, units. The infinity that you have access to behind your eyes, you've got immediately immediate access to, no metaphors required. You can't go there with a measuring stick and try and measure the end of it. Mm. It doesn't work in that way. So the infinity that you have access to on the inside is the real infinity. The infinity that you have access to in the outward is a metaphorical infinity. The inner is more real than the outer. It is not how we've been brought to think about things. We think it is the outer world that produces the inner world. That the, the self is the subject, that the subject, the self is the microcosm. You are produced by everything else. You are the, the, you are the, you, you're the flea, you're the, that's not the truth. Of the, the real truth of the matter is that you are the macrocosm. You, the real infinity operates through you and you're deeply intimate with it, whether you, do you recognize it or not, that you have immediate access to it, that the universe does not contain you, you contain the universe. You are not the small one, you're the big one, actually. 
Our mm. journey is about rediscovering that nature. That's why we seek fanafila. That's why we seek the sense of annihilation, because then we discover the groundwork of being that our beings have come out of and that we've never been separated from. We've only been separated from it by illusion. That infinity. Now you give a description of sight and how this works in terms of the seer and the seen. Could you explain this? You see, why is it that we don't experience that absolute fullness and, and vast depth, which is our true character? Because that's where we come, that's where we operate from. Why don't we experience it? It is because to do that, you've got to become a pure seer. And we spend far too much of our endeavor trying to be not the one who's seeing, but to be the one who's seen. So, um, uh, uh, as I described to you, um, you know, if you think about this window of perception, if you want something from the other, that the other, the other person's ability to withhold what you want makes you manipulable. It makes you apparently weak. It gets you hooked. It makes you outwardly gathered because you're trying to get into the world to get stuff. There's two ways that you can try and get stuff from the world. The first way you can try and get stuff from the world is that you try and get stuff like I want you. I really like your waistcoat, by the way. I think it's very good. I think you should be the next prime minister of Pakistan. But <laughs> so if I, if I want your waistcoat, your ability to withhold the waistcoat gives you power over me. And because I've been so, so sarcastic about this waistcoat, that's now I've now cursed it for you. You give up and you give me the waistcoat. Now I've got control over the waistcoat. You can no longer manipulate me. So there's a limit to the degree to which we can be manipulated. When we want things from the world, we are outwardly gathered. We are under the thrall and the power of the other. But there's a limit because once that we've got this thing, the other loses their power. But let's say I want something else from you. I want you to think I'm a nice person. I want, your, I want you to find me significant. I want significance from you. If I want significance from you, if I want to be seen by you, I want something I can never have control over. Because, you know, I mean, uh, I can't ever get control over your granting me significance like I can over your, over your jacket. You can choose to withhold that, uh, that grant in an instance at any time. So while I want to be significant to you, I'm far more manipulable than what I am when I want your jacket, which means while I want to be seen, I'm far more outwardly gathered than what I am when I want things. When I want to be significant, I am being crucified by that need. I'm completely outwardly gathered and that sense of being out in the world and being out to be seen and being uh, sort of examined by everybody else makes me completely alienated from this experience that sits behind my eyes, behind the window of perception, which is of complete depth and unassailability, deep security. So 
It therefore makes sense that if I want to rediscover who I am, I need to forego my desire to be seen, to be significant. I need to be, allow myself to become the seer. And the more I become the seer rather than the one who wishes to be seen, the more wonders I behold. behold. And in fact, not only do I behold wonders, I, become, I participate in the wonders. Because I live a life that works in such harmony with the world that I'm in, that the world constantly delivers things in my interest. So literally, it's, it's a miraculous life. It's a life that is one that is, uh, has my, my, my world as my benefactor and my ally. Not, no, so, so I'm no longer kicked around by life. Not that I kick life around. There's no kicking around required. It's like this conversation we had about the horse whispering. The horse becomes, quite freely, becomes my ally, becomes my friend. I don't have to dominate this thing. I don't have to take what's freely given. I can receive what's freely given. So, I've got another name for you. Yes. The waistcoat whisperer. The waistcoat whisperer. <laughs> well, we'd like to see what happens to that waistcoat next time we see each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm giving you. I'm telling you another waistcoat. that time. I suspect that I'm a little bit chubbier than you are, so it might not fit me. Yeah, that's how it is. Sorry, sorry, you broke up. You broke up there slightly. Say that again. I said I suspect it might not fit me when I get to wear it because I think I'm a bit chubbier <laughs> than you are. Thank you for sharing that. Um, this is a very interesting point. Allah cannot be contained by the universe can be contained in the heart of the mu'min. What, what does that mean? So, it's interesting that he didn't describe it as the mind of the mu'min, mm. or the intelligence of the mu'min, the heart of the mu'min. So this again refers to the distinction that we have between predatory and receptive attention. Mm. Predatory attention, we said, is mainly visual. It's rational. Mm -hmm. It works cause and effect chains. And it tries to understand how things work so that I can manipulate things in my interest. That's all head stuff. That's treating your whole life like a big um, algebra equation. <clears throat> Working it out. I will get that if I do this. Receptive attention functions with all your other senses. Sight, uh, I mean, uh, smell, hearing, uh, taste, you know. And actually, they have different um, uh, predatory attention and, and receptive attention have, good, have, have a different assemblage points. What I mean by assemblage point is the place in your body where your attention assembles to. Predatory attention assembles behind your eyes. That's why people are very kind of in their heads. You can see that. I mean, you can see that in how their eyes work. You know, when your attention, when your receptive attention assembles behind your solar plexus, behind yeah, the middle of your chest. You know? mm. 
So this thing, once you're operating from here, you and the and that one, there's no no difference. You experience him immediately. Mm. When you operate from here, you are left to your own devices. So the heart contains him. Uh, the entire universe can't contain him. That infinity that we spoke about before, start, you start to have access to it, experience it, and you start operating from your chest, from your solar plexus. Uh, on that note, thank you very much again. And we look forward to joining us on Discourse 29. Listeners, you are listening to Millennium Discourses. We will be back tomorrow with another topic. We would like to thank Etzko Skatema. Till tomorrow, Allah Hafiz from us all.